0: wmqa hello and welcome to wmqa the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them i'm dan grope and i'm matt laswitz and this week's guests are the creators of the idw original series crashing matthew klein and morgan beam welcome thanks so much for having us yeah. I'm really happy to be here excellent excellent so uh we'll start with the first time guest question what are some of the first comics that you remember uh reading morgan why don't we start with you
1: uh, the very first comic I remember reading was actually a manga and it was Sailor Moon, uh, which kind of became my like big entry <laughs> into comics in general. As a small child, I was really into the TV show. Um, and then they had made these sort of like serialized novel versions based on the TV show. Okay. And I had caught up with those. And the librarian was confused about what I was looking for. And she found the comics for me. And that was sort of my my gateway drug. <laughs>
2: <laughs> very cool. <clears throat> Um, On my end, uh, my uncle bought me a copy of uh, Superman 75, Death of Superman, um, and said, I bought you two copies, one so you can read, and one that will pay for your college. Oh, no. (laughs) I should mention, he was a uh, criminal defense attorney for 25 years uh, with a decent track record, and then he went on to teach children in Florida. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Uncle Mike. But, um. (laughs) Then I did not read any comics until college um, at that point. I was never a comics uh, reader as a kid. Uh, I, want, I I've told Morgan this story, but uh, I got into comics trying to get a date with the girl down the hall in my college dorm. Um, and so uh, I knew Batman. I was a big Batman fan from the the series growing up, the animated series. Mm-hmm. So I just started on a Batman kick and I read face the face was the first graphic novel Hmm. i read from one year later and then i just went from year one long halloween uh dark victory and just that was my first real foray in the comics didn't get the date but i got a career
0: (laughs) (laughs) all's well that (laughs) ends well i do like that that young you Read Superman seventy five and was like, "Well, Superman's dead. I guess I don't need comics <laughs> <laughs> anymore." Until you know, a few years later, obviously.
2: Uh, pretty much, young young me was not a good reader at like six, seven years old. That's the the real big thing. So,
0: <laughs> oh, man, now at, at at any point did did you or your your uncle take that second copy of Superman seventy five into a comic shop and be like, uh, "Here, I've got this for you." <laughs> No, they ended up being thrown away
2: at some point when we moved, I think like <laughs> a few years later. I just tossed it because we all knew it wasn't going anywhere at that point. And mm-hmm. I didn't have the complete storyline. I just had this one random issue. So I was like, <laughs> I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 12 years old, I was like, yeah, this is stupid. Why Why do people only buy a part of the story? So there you
3: go. <laughs> Hence
2: wow. why I started collecting trades. That's That's how I got into comics
0: it's a, it's a it's a there's no wrong way and that's a, that's a good one. uh library is full of sailor moon also a good one. <laughs> but uh matt having worked at a comic shop for fifteen years, how many superman seventy fives would you say uh you saw walk walk in the door and then disappointedly slouch out
3: oh not as many as x men number ones, but a high number <laughs> the, the <laughs> Yeah. What shop did you work at, Matt? Uh, Dewey's Comic City in oh,
0: Madison.
3: Yeah, Dewey's. All right, He's I familiar. know. Dewey's. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I worked at Dewey's from 2000 to 2015.
2: I I was their valiant rep when I worked at. Dewey's. Ah, okay. So when I was there from 2014 until 2021, uh, I would contact Dewey's pretty regularly.
3: So. Yeah, you probably talked to John or, or Yep, John's a John's a friend of the show. He's been on the show a couple of times. He's an old, good, good friend of mine. Great dude. Yeah, yeah. Small, small community. <laughs> is
1: a small world for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, shout out, to, shout out to Bush. But uh, yeah, so y'all are here to talk about crashing, which is your IDW original series with colors Triona Farrell and letterer Hassan Osman Elhow. Uh, Matt, I don't think you've gotten to do a good old-fashioned blurb reading in a couple weeks, so why don't you take this one? Here we
3: go. Rose Osler is a specialist. Her focus? Patients with powers. At a hospital with no powered patients policy. When a battle between Boston's protectors and destroyers erupts, Rose is trapped between saving the city's beloved hero by day and greatest villain at night. Except Rose could become a casualty. When she's forced to risk her recovery, as Rose pushes past her limits to save everyone else, will she be able to save herself?
0: <laughs>
3: for the listeners, I thank Matt. you for
2: that dramatic reading. <laughs> it was very I good. His <laughs> approval.
3: Uh, you should see me do horror. It's downright ominous.
0: Ooh, Ooh fun. <laughs> if I were, if I were uh, a less lazy editor. I, I would, I would lay in, you know, appropriate background music for these dramatic readings. But, you know, I also think like just once and, and it won't be this time, but I'd love to do just, you know, Herb Albert and the Tijuana brass, yes. <laughs> an extremely inappropriate moment, but <laughs> <laughs> solid. Um, how does it feel to have the first issue out in the world? We'll start with that.
1: <laughs> it's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um it's also I think really exciting because we um we've been working on this for a while actually we're actually just finishing up issue five uh which is good there won't be any delays no hiatus <laughs> um and so you know it like that that suspense of like oh we you know we've got something pretty good and I just want people to read it has can, been like building for a hot minute so it's pretty exciting
2: <laughs> it's it's a for me it's a really surreal kind of moment because I've I've been on the other side of this table so much working for Valiant in sales and marketing and now at Penguin Random House by day. Mm-hmm. So I've I have helped so many comics be birthed into the world and have their launch and gotten to see the the joy and the excitement of creators and fans you know from a sales and marketing side. So to be on this end of it is really rewarding and and I'm so grateful for the wonderful response from the shops and we we've had some amazing conversations with readers um and it's it's got word of mouth going for it which is really really great so it's it's just been a dream it's and i'm so thrilled that everybody finally gets to see the amazing work of morgan and tree and haas and heather this whole team has really just put an incredible foot forward on so it's it's really rewarding
0: yeah it's great now, uh, have you all been doing the, uh, the store signing circuit? Uh, Boy, one of yeah. us more
1: than the other. <laughs> uh, Matthew's been hitting the pavement hard. Um, but yeah, especially on launch week, um, we definitely hit up. I hit up some local ones here. Uh, Matthew and I were fortunate enough to come out to uh, Bedrock City together, which was really fun. Um, and then Matthew's just been a wild man.
2: <laughs> no, so like my, so my journey, uh, Forbidden Planet, New York, that's my local shop. So as soon as the books arrived, I went and signed copies for on sale. And then I flew to Greenville, South Carolina, Borderlands Comics and Games. Uh, shout out to them. They did a wonderful store exclusive cover uh, by Ooh. Veronica Fish that goes to benefit the first responders charity, Tunnels to Towers. Um, all proceeds of all the covers uh, go to that charity, which was amazing to be a part of. And then in one day, I drove to Rebel Base Comics in Charlotte, Sailfish Comics in Winston-Salem, Ultimate Comics in Raleigh, then flew down to meet Morgan in Houston. Um, I flew back two hours after our signing ended in Houston to New York, and then the next morning, six hours later, uh, after getting home, I rented a car and drove four-plus hours to Annapolis, Maryland to Third Eye Comics, stopped back off at Cards Comics and Collectibles on the drive back, Uh, Last week went to Bulletproof Comics in Montreal, I stopped in at Crossover Comics, um, and where the heck else, oh, and uh, Library, uh, Omnibus, and then this week uh, I'll be signing at IDW's booth at New York Comic Con, and this Sunday at Eastside Mags in Montclair, New Jersey, and then future signings are Everyone Comics in Queens on the 12th, uh, and Forbidden Planet for issue two on October 19th. And Captain Blue Hen Comics in Newark, Delaware on October 21st. Um, I'm not going to, that's it. That's as far as I got so far my schedule.
1: Well, clearly I'm doing all the heavy lifting <laughs> with the series. I'm
2: about. <laughs> Morgan's drawing. She's doing all the heavy lifting of the series.
1: I am so. in the studio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to be very clear, Morgan, it's very easy as the writer to be like, I'm just writing things. Here are words on a page. It's great. And then Morgan goes out and has to create the entire world and its characters and all the laws of physics that it does or does not uh, abide by. And so, yes, Morgan does do all the heavy lifting. I will say um, it on the record many times.
1: let's not let's not spark the great writer versus artist debate again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no debate for me. <laughs>
1: for <laughs> the disc for no, Matthew's very humble.
0: those things just happen on their own we we can't
1: oh yeah it's like is it tuesday it's coming back around yeah
0: exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man just just wait a day it'll go back to what bruce wayne should do with his money (laughs) but uh you know when when you're at these stores you're visiting new shops you know do you do you tend to block time out for yourself for like Digging through back issue bins or or getting distra- distracted by whatever shiny objects are on the walls. Absolutely. Yeah, well,
1: yeah which might, you know, even be just just coming up, you know, before or afterwards. Or sometimes if you're sitting there, you know, sometimes you do an all-day signing or something, there'll just be a, like a lull and you'll be like, I'm a shop. <laughs> which is always really fun. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Mor- Morgan saw me pick up a few Batman back issues in, at Bedrock City, that's for sure. But part of it, too, is, is I always try to do it as a as a, another way of saying thank you to the shop for having us there. It's just <laughs> good manners to make a purchase or two. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, but the fact that you do it shows an investment in the store. It's a great way of saying thank you that they put some investment into you because they don't have to do this for us. They could spend their time trying to get other signings. They could be spending their time just selling every book in the shop all at once. Instead, they choose to dedicate hours out of their busiest days, usually, to really promote this one homegrown creator-driven product. So it's a great way. I recommend it to all creators. If you're going to do a, a store signing, bring ten extra bucks to buy something in the shop or buy one graphic novel. Buy it. just. It's a great. It, it's just another way of being courteous and kind to your hosts
1: and it's also fun too right like i mean somebody i'm a full-time freelancer so i'm just like you know in my own zone working all the time and i'll see you know about like oh new comics coming out and things you know online or whatever but you know i don't get into a comic shop every week generally speaking and so it's just you know it, it just sort of revitalizes that spark in you to like walk around and just see right and especially just knowing like all just all the effort that goes into making a comic from the whole team right Mm -hmm. from like tip to tail it's just everybody is so crazy passionate and they're working so hard to just like put out this one dream thing and so it's just you know even just going through and like running your fingers across the spines is sort of like thrilling right that there's just so much cool stuff like there's so many cool comics out there uh they span everything you know from art styles to stories and so it's always fun to be in a shop and just you know get to see the sort of breadth of that
3: is there something you picked up one of these shops that in that vein like boy this seems neat that you wouldn't have picked up otherwise you just sort of jumped out at you
1: um i mean plenty of things in the sense that like probably just seeing some cover art or something you know i'm i'm a big uh i mostly read kind of the I don't know if it's like creator own stuff right so like kind of original stories um i do i do follow like some superhero threadlines, but i'm not a huge superhero person so you know and there's just so many of them there's so many titles that you know just maybe you don't you know have the bandwidth of advertising or you know that you'll just never really i probably wouldn't have been on my radar unless i was in a, a shop and walked by and it just has a cool cover or something and i picked it up uh one of those recently is an image series called slumber um so good that was really cool so <laughs> it was it was really good um and it was just the cover art actually that heather worked on that one actually i was gonna say me.
2: did you know that I, yeah. our editor heather Anto, that's true
1: <laughs> yeah that worked book. on that topic um i think i knew that after i read it but i but i again it was just because i was in a shop um before signing and i and i saw and i was like oh man like i really like that art style on the cover and then yeah the story was like tight as shit and i like and again i don't think i probably would have ever crossed my radar had i not been there so so lots of things like that i feel like you know, jump out. It's kind of like I buy wine because of the label art. <laughs> and that's I feel like oftentimes when I shop comics that I haven't heard of. It's like, oh nice. <laughs> we'll see so how this is on the inside. So <laughs> valuable.
2: For for me, I I mostly was doing back issue diving. To be to be frankly, that was that was me. I also um uh, I picked up a few things that you know because it was Wednesday at some of these stores, so I picked up like latest issue of Rogues Gallery. Also another Heather Antos book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hannah Rose May, Declan Shelby, uh, uh, Justin—I'm forgetting his last name off the top. Just—it's gonna drive me crazy. I'm so sorry, Justin. <laughs> um, I'm gonna meet you hopefully this weekend at, at New York Comic Con. Um, and then uh, also things like I got the first trade of "What's the furthest place from here?" Because mm-hmm. um, I Matthew Rosenberg is my uh, super is my comic book origin story in many ways um Love Rosie and uh Tyler Boss. All three of us worked together at Forbidden Planet for years. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, so I'm a huge supporter of their. But bo- oh yeah, me, Tyler Rosenberg, vita Yala, Danny Lore, all at Forbidden Planet at the same what a, time. What a, in any given what a day. crew! Right? Oh,
1: Damn! <laughs> fly on the wall.
2: <laughs> we got a talent pool. At any given day, we would have been recommending you new comics like that. Truly, on any given Wednesday, that would have been us. And and uh building your magic deck also but um
1: I feel like that's kind of like you know when a band like comes out and is really cool and you're able to see like I saw them in my friend's garage I feel like that's that moment (laughs) to like anybody who knew you guys when you were working at the store
2: there there are regulars who still go to that store that I see on Wednesdays when I go shop and they're just like (laughs) we remember you went and I'm like me too (laughs) Um, gosh what were we thinking (laughs) uh <laughs> um, I keep telling Forbidden Planet they really need to create an alumni page just for, for for that. They've got some really killer uh people who came out of it. So um and all of them super supportive of crashing too. They've all given shout outs. Uh Rosenberg gave a great quote uh for the the book as well and was just like in loved it. So we're all really, really supportive of each other too, which is lovely.
0: That's awesome. Uh yeah, uh, what, what are your, your respective home-based shops?
1: Uh so mine out here in Denver. Um my general go-to one is uh it's a little ways actually, it's in a suburb called Parker, it's called Hall of Justice. Um and they just they're just awesome. They just like the everybody who works there is so nice and chill and they always recommend good things. Um so they rock and then very recently um I've also become a patron at a little uh shop called Mutiny, which is like this just like punk as fuck. I don't know cool they do like used books and then also comics and they have like uh you know gun club build nights and and things like that so uh both really really solid shops here
3: I wish I had known that when I before I was out in Denver for a day job conference over the summer and aurora technically I never really mm-hmm. got off the resort which was a shame because I wanted to be able to check Colorado off my states I've been to a comic shop in uh, well if next I time had, if I had known <laughs> a couple of good shops, I would have just, you know, sucked it up and gotten an Uber out into wherever. But, <laughs> Could have uh, at least mile, gotten lost mile in Mile High.
1: high.
2: Like... I was going to say, Mile true. High is the institution. Right. That's yeah. the, you know. Mile High is wild, the yeah.
1: I, mile High, there used to be a, a little shop not too far from where I lived Um, that was kind of my go-to, but uh, that one, they... Shut down a couple because they have like a a bunch of branches they they shut down that one and i never really found a new foothold with mile high yet (laughs) Uh,
2: i will also echo hall of justice i was their prh rep last year for a while um great people out there yeah Um, really great really great people uh for me it's forbidden planet forbidden planet was also when i when i was trying to get a date forbidden planet was where i went and bought my graphic novels um So I literally, a couple years later, started working with the people who got me into comics regularly, which was really, really cool. They taught me how to hand sell. They taught me everything I know about selling. Um, Great, great institution shop. It's been around over 40 years now in Manhattan. Um, But I also will get out to uh, Bulletproof Comics. Um, I love anyone comics, uh, both in Brooklyn. Um, One comic shop that never gets the love it deserves is uh, Monacy Comics. Uh, and games actually also in Midtown. Obviously, there's Midtown Comics. Go there mm-hmm. plenty as well. Uh, they are the gold standard um, and and the industry leader. Uh, even though Mile High will challenge that, um, but uh, yeah. So so those are sort of my go tos on, on the regular.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about crashing itself. What is what what is the origin of of crashing? When did when did y'all first conceive this this book baby? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so the, the germ of crashing really started. Um, I was watching testimonials from doctors during the height of the pandemic who would talk about their experiences and just the, the mental stress and burnout that they were suffering in the face of an overwhelming crisis. Um, mm-hmm. You would have doctors talking about stories where they were having panic attacks in their car outside the hospital, and then they would have to get control of themselves and do a 12-hour shift. And they would do that every single day at a time when they did not know how or if they could save anybody under their care. And so the idea of a doctor who is an everyday hero, a first responder who is dealing with a crisis so far above what conventional wisdom says they can handle is sort of really where Rose, the the main character comes from. Um, And then from there, I also was looking because, you know, the, we, we tend to deify doctors and mm-hmm. put them above us in many ways in, in that they are supposed to be um, a more special person, higher person, because we, we put our care and our livelihood in them. But they are just as flawed and they deal with just as much stress and triggers and trauma as everybody else. And so when thinking about Rose and thinking about someone who is addicted to saving people, um, I really also wanted to touch on this idea of addiction as a very core Uh, Part of her personality Mm -hmm. and uh, addiction is rampant. There were 108,000 overdose deaths um, in a 12 month period uh, between 2020 and 2021 is the highest on record uh, since they've been doing it back in the 80s and tracking these. It is still in every single community out there. We've actually met at these signing some amazing people who are recovering addicts who have lavished such amazing praise and gratitude for how we treat that subject. So that's really where Rose came from. And from Rose came the rest of the world because it's her story. Um, from there, I worked with uh, our, our editor, Heather Antos, was putting the pitch together, uh, the document. And then I spoke with a friend of mine uh, who I always call uh, our manic pixie dream boy, Ryan Katie, who is a fabulous <laughs> comics writer.
1: Nice.
2: Um, and uh, he had worked with Morgan on a phenomenal, uh, yes, I used the word twice because it's true both times. Um, <laughs> webtoons series called wolfsbane which if you've not read it's still live go read it um it's a wonderful horror book and ryan recommended uh morgan to me right off the bat and i reached out as fast as i could i knew morgan's work uh i knew she was a great fit for this book um and as soon as she was willing to say yes and meet with me um she instantly got it and and we just kind of built from there
0: that is excellent now uh how about you know getting the rest of the team together. You know, when did uh uh tree and, and, and Haas and everybody enter the picture? Haas
1: was on um, from the
2: pitch. Haas was mm-hmm. Haas was already on from the get go. Um and then we had a different colorist um originally for the pitch who Morgan is very familiar with.
1: Yeah. So originally um the pitch was colored by Jeremy Lawson, who's actually my studio mate um who was also uh the colorist on something twin, twin branches the book i did there um and he rocks he's just so phenomenal in fact he's too phenomenal that uh he was busy he's also transitioning from coloring to uh full interior pages so he let us know really up front he said you know like I want your book to succeed i'm totally down to to do the pitch for you guys um but i can't i can't sign on like if it gets picked up i, I can't sign on for the rest of it so we said that's fine um, let's just go with that because we know your coloring style and that you, you do a really good job um, and so then it wasn't until we uh, got picked up by IDW that it was like okay we're full steamer ahead so let's find a colorist it was actually Heather who was like what do you think of uh, Trina Farrell and I love Tree not only is she just a phenomenal colorist mm-hmm. uh, but she's such a charming human she's hysterical and really wonderful I think I remember I told Heather I was like can we afford tree? <laughs> like, I was <laughs> like, I don't know if tree has time for us. Uh, miraculously, and luckily for us, she did. Um, and she has just killed it on this book. It was such a pleasure to, you know, cause I, I previously um, usually color a lot of my own stuff. Um, and so it was just such a, a, a pleasure and a privilege to get pages back and be like, oh my God, these look so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, you know, it's just been really fun to see, I feel like each member of the team, you know, just really clicked together um, and then just really like, took, you know, the, the part of the puzzle that they were given and then just like has elevated it. You know, same thing with Haas's lettering. Um, he's one of the best letters in the business right now. I feel like he just mm-hmm. clicks with the style of the art and understands how to drive that out really well. Um, yeah, so he's, he, it's been great, it's a great team. <laughs>
2: For, for my first comic coming out, I've been incredibly spoiled. Um, I, I have to remind myself, they may not all be this much fun um, because it's just been a, literally a dream team of people. Tree is easily one of the best colorists in the business. Haas, I think it's Haas and Clayton Cows probably is the top two letterers out there. Um, <laughs> Morgan is a damn superstar um, and, and her star will only shine brighter over the next several years. So it's just been... And then we're working with Heather Anza, who is arguably—I I make the argument—is the best working editor out there. And you look she's at the sheer cut. number of products she puts out, there ain't a bad one in the bunch. Um, she's just a genius at what she does, and was an amazing team leader uh, and really managing everybody and getting the best out of us. And so it's been—it's been like as smooth sailing and wonderful an experience as I could ever dream.
1: And also, obviously Matthew at our foundation delivering a phenomenal story. So <laughs> Look,
2: now at the, great, at the great st- art elevates bad writing. Uh, so and we're back to clear. the
1: debate again.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, this is the first time we've had a recursive discourse loop within our own uh, <laughs> show. It's fun. You know, um, so at the, at the same time, you know, you you've got this great team. You're also part of this new idw originals line so you know there's there's a push that way and you're in company with you know folks like scott snyder and 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 hayden sherman and kevin scott and and leona kangas and all you know all these folks doing you know great things you know how do you 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 kind of do you you see that do you see being part of that that kind of push as an asset to the book as it's coming out
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, A, I think that there was a lot of talk generated since it was such a new kind of initiative for IDW and they were, you know, really announced it on force. Um, And anytime there's talk generated with a book you're involved in, it's pretty good. I mean, I guess maybe not always, but, but in this, you know, it's really good because a lot of eyes were like, oh, that's new and interesting. Like, let's, let's look a little bit into what these books are about and what's happening. Um, And then just like you said, it's part of a, pretty tremendous pool of talent, uh, which is always just kind of exciting and humbling to be like, oh, yeah, them <laughs> and also us. <laughs> um, so it, it's been it's been really fun. It's been really interesting. Um, and again, just I think everybody's been really supportive. You know, the other books that have come out have been really supportive of crashing and like retweeting and that and, and, and or sharing it and talking about it, you know, and same with us. Um and so it, it feels like a like a fun little, um, almost like like the first year of school, you know, like your little opening class. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think it's a great way of putting it, Morgan. Like we're we're all at the beginning of something, which is mm-hmm. very cool, and it's a real privilege to to be a part of sort of the uh, laying the groundwork for this new era of IDW storytelling that focuses on creator driven work, because IDW has been known for TMNT. GI Joe, Transformer, license titles, like licenses has been their bread and butter. And then it's like, oh, we have a lock and key over here. And we have, you know, uh, a Winona Earp over there. But this is a really incredible opportunity under Mark uh, Doyle to really push forward into more creative driven storytelling as a cohesive uh, line of product within the IDW umbrella. And they've got big plans. I, I remember it was surreal. I met G. Will Wilson um, a few weeks after crashing was announced and I had to remember, oh wow, yeah, I'm I'm in the same announcement as G. Will Wilson. Like, and I'm meeting her and I'm just like, hi, I work for PRH. And I'm like, oh, and also I, I got a book out with you. This is amazing. Um, just, so it was really, it's it's been, and she was so lovely. It's just been a really, really cool um, experience to be part of this uh, opening class. Yes.
0: Now, uh, Matthew, how has your experience in, in marketing and PR kind of translated to pushing this book as, as you know, being on the creative end of it?
1: Um, it it's,
2: you know, it, I think it's a real advantage in many ways. Like, I, you know, it's it's fascinating because I, I know so many creators with their first titles who are on the opposite end of the spectrum, who really have a, an amazing basis um, in comics uh, out there, have put out maybe more work self-published but they don't understand the marketing and the sales side they don't have relationships with comic shops they they haven't been to 250 shops like i have they haven't uh hand sold at booths with shops um at conventions so you know you you get to know the rhythms and and understanding like okay i've been in 250 stores i know what their cover wall is going to look like on wednesday that's a different perspective than a lot of people have. Um, understanding the importance of that 30 second pitch of it's, it's this meets this, um, I get to bring to it. is certainly in the pitching phase, especially with IDW uh, was something that was great. But also the importance of doing the signings and doing creator videos to give them assets to push it. Um, you know, I, I've been in stores so long that I've heard the complaints. I've heard the wish list over and over and over and over, but also even just in the storytelling. One of the things that we do with crashing is we have a cliffhanger at the end of every single issue. Part of that is from working in comic shops and hearing people who work there who hand sell complain that so many series are written for the trade and not for the monthly issue by issue. So when it came to pacing crashing, that was something that we really put a major thought into was how do we hook them by the second page turn? And how do we make that last page a cliffhanger that gets them to come back next month? All of that is because I was in sales and marketing with comic shops before uh, starting this project.
3: I'm just curious with you saying you're sort of pacing for the single issue in your head I mean the trade is you just finished the regular book so the trade is probably not exactly fresh in your mind or maybe it is Uh, (laughs) are you planning things to make the trade experience special or different extras stuff like that or is it just that's worry about that horse out of the barn or some
0: similar analogy that is not quite coming to me (laughs) I'm sorry, we'd have to pause so I can put that metaphor out of its misery. (laughs) Precisely.
2: (laughs) I don't have any super insight into exactly what's going to go into the trade. I imagine um, thinking about the page requirements, IDW will want to put definitely some extras in there. I think the the character sheets could be very cool. Some of the process pages will be really cool. Um, Maybe some of the interviews that we've done, they might put in the back there. Um, there, there are all these different ideas that we could do. So I think you're just gonna have to wait to pick up the trade to really see what, what we do with it, Matt. But uh, I think it's going to look really, really snazzy. Um, and again, like a
1: true salesman,
2: (laughs) but even, even still in like chapters of a book, every chapter is supposed to make you want to read the next chapter. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the end of the story and there's the big, big, big payoff. Still same rules apply as far as storytelling goes with this.
1: Yeah, I I don't really worry about the tra- the story and the trade having any hiccups because Matthew's right, he's done a very good job of putting this hook at the end of each issue. But when you read it together, it's just like a little suspenseful step that builds to the next step that builds to the kind of grand finale. Um, so, I I imagine as somebody who's read the scripts all together, it it should jive pretty well.
0: So. Medical dramas have been a staple of, of, you know, TV for decades, from Grey's Anatomy to ER to General Hospital to that parody they used to do on The Muppet Show. Do you do you have uh, any particular favorites in that genre overall? I think
1: my favorite is actually Scrubs. You guys remember that show? Um, it's just, it's good because I feel like it has enough heart and drama, but it's also like funny mm-hmm. um and also i have a couple friends uh who are nurses who work in hospitals uh, and they have told me repeatedly that that one of all the other ones is actually the most accurate yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> um so that one's fun i definitely did start watching gray's anatomy when we started this um series and also um er uh, both of which you know are great they're great for what they are but they are yeah. so dramatic <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like medical soaps, which is fine. I love mm-hmm. soap, so um, and definitely, and some of them are a little dated. Um, but it it has it has been fun. It was not a genre that I think I watched very much of before starting this book, mm-hmm. and then definitely, you know, just for both like the high drama that this this book has, and then you know the the medical situation. I was like, yeah, I guess I should dive into some staples here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Scrubs. I think Scrubs is my favorite. Uh, I'm a big House fan. Oh, no, um, yeah. you
2: know- Because I'm also a detective guy, like I I love a good mystery and a good noir. um, And I love a, a Sherlock Holmes style protagonist. So House, I absolutely adore. And then after that, it's probably the first several seasons of ER. And like, I absolutely was thinking about ER when crafting The opening for this series was just like because er er always started with a bang like it's Mm -hmm. somebody's being wheeled in on a gurney and then a doctor in a tux jumps on top of them to give them cpr you know and people are throwing out medical jargon and everything's life and death immediately (laughs) you learn about all these people while they're treating them and how they're treating them and it's an action movie like every episode Mm -hmm. for a while there is treated like an action movie and so I absolutely blatantly uh, homaged, I won't say stole, I uh, <laughs> homaged um, kind of that ER style uh, when thinking about
0: the opening for, for Crashing. Matt, how about you? You got a favorite medical drama? Well, I mean, you mentioned Veterinarian's Hospital. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anything with Muppets. Is that what the Muppet's show sketch was? I couldn't yep. remember the name of it. Veterinarian's okay. Ho- <laughs> the story
3: of a surgeon who's gone to the dogs. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, but but I, if Probably house for the exact same reason, you know me and my love of Sherlock Holmes. So, yes. you know, you you put Sherlock Holmes played by Hugh Laurie as a doctor, and it's kind of like okay, I'm
0: sold. <laughs> I definitely I watched about house Dan? at yeah. least up until he got committed to like a, a, a mental asylum, which I want I think I want to say it was like season like six or seven. We got we got it in pretty deep, and then Gray's we. I watched at least the first. I don't know. Grays is turning into The Simpsons, where it's just been on uh forever. Uh except is in it that still going? Case, I think, Oh yeah. I, think yeah. It is. Oh, wow.
2: 19, I didn't I know it that. I think it's, I think it's just wow. Ellen Pompeo
0: right and like whatever that show's equivalent of Saved by the Bell, the new class is. But uh yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's still there. <laughs> but like I
2: the, I the rumor, the rumor is it'll be gone soon because Ellen Pompeo is down to eight episodes this season. And they have oh. said when she's ready to go, they will end the show. So it's very likely Ray's could be ending. Um, but...
0: just blow up the hospital on her way out. They've done that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, and, and that's the thing. They've done everything. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no, it should, it should be like that one scene of The Dark Knight. She's just walking away from the hospital as it's exploding. But stops <laughs> for hand sanitizer.
2: the the only thing they haven't done is put superpowers on the show yet and we were like we could do that and so there you go
0: (laughs) there you go uh exactly um all right uh i'm gonna i'm going to uh turn now to our grand twitter inquisitor asimov fangirl who asked uh was there a medical fact or fun fact that you learned in the process of making this book that stands out as a favorite or most memorable or strangest
1: Oh medical fact um I'm trying to I'm sure there was <laughs> my brain is completely blanking now uh Matthew do you have anything Let me start to think about that man I'm trying to think if there was because I just, again
2: like i I love medical dramas and so like i I feel like I get medical tra- trivia all the I almost said medical trauma all the time but like medical trivia all the time i I have a little medical trauma it's fine though i'm I'm getting better but um <laughs> But no, you know what's interesting? I actually learned one today about a playwright and author, J.M. Barry, Um, it's related to stress. Apparently he was so stressed out for so long in his life that it actually stopped him from growing at a certain point in his development. And like he, he never grew past five foot three because his brother hmm. died and he watched his brother's death and his mother, his brother was the favorite child And so he actually would dress in his brother's clothes and pretend to be his brother for years to make his mother happy, who was a psychotic breakdown at that point. And from the sheer amount of stress hormones that he had, because when you are super stressed out, you actually stop producing growth hormones. You stop creating saliva and anything related to digestion, which is why you get dry mouth when you get really stressed out. Out and panicky, and that fight or flight comes in because your body basically stops using anything essential, and so your digestive tract, which is related to your saliva, stops. Growth hormone stops, and so he literally stopped growing at five foot three when he was a kid, um, and he, he stopped developing in a lot of ways, actually physically, because he was so stressed out all the time. So there you go. There's your your medical fun fact for the episode.
0: That's the guy who wrote Peter Pan, right?
2: It is. He's the guy who wrote. Peter Pan, he literally never grew up from being a boy um, in many ways.
0: And so there you go. Wow, that is, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, I think mine is probably like less facts about things and more just like, watched a lot of my my YouTube search history is definitely, or like put me on somebody's list, but watched a lot of like surgery videos or different things to learn how to use, like, okay, if it's this piece of equipment, you know, how is it used properly? Like where is it placed on the body, mm-hmm. you know? What kind of machines are in the ER for an open heart surgery? You know, like, how, how does that kind of stuff work? Uh, but definitely, obviously, like, big apology to doctors and nurses out there because it's not, they're going to read the book and be like, that's not right. <laughs> I did my best. Um, but it was just amazing to see, yeah, like, like how, like, even just, um like, an IV, you know, up until, like, doing this comic, I always thought, like, you hang the IV bag and then it just has a little cord that goes into your wrist. But, like, you take the cord and it goes into, like, a little like dongle, like a little apparatus that I assume is like to, to count it out so that way you know how much is going in and when it's empty, mm-hmm. you know? So just like little things like that, just all like there's so much medical equipment <laughs> and, and it all <laughs> is so necessary. It has a lot of
0: buttons. <laughs> Don't what, press one great button. thing and one way that, that uh, you know, comics have the leg up on on TV and film though, nobody is counting chest compressions. In a, in a comic because that's like the number one thing if you're going to be like a freaking nitpick about like medical television shows it, it's always the person who's like they're not doing CPR right in,
1: there's in always the, and I, I get it because because people are knowledgeable about all kinds of things but it is funny to have people come out of the woodwork to be like well, that's not accurate, and you're like, yeah, because I'm a comic artist, like not <laughs> a hunter or a doctor or an astronaut or like whatever else that I have to figure out. <laughs> and
2: I, I promise I'm Who not a serial you killer, so far. Um, despite <laughs> yeah. what my search history <laughs> yeah. and my Netflix queue uh, might uh, make you think. But no, I, I, I will say this: CPR has revised its processes many, many, many times. I, I used mm-hmm. to be certified. Mm-hmm. I was certified for a few years in CPR. And what I did in my training is not what they teach anymore, including the number of chest compressions that changes oh. like every couple years at this point. It was 15, then it was 20, then it was 12. Like it's gone back and forth a ton. Um, don't hold me to those numbers, please. This is not a legally binding comment. <laughs> um, Red Cross, don't sue me.
3: You're not talking about that from personal experience, Dan, of someone you're sitting with west- tv with commenting that that's not right all right i i'm
2: no longer oh, certified in cpr let's put it that way I, I
3: i was commenting on dan whose wife is in the medical field and oh it's it's <laughs> the same way that you can't have anything set in the kitchen without my wife who works in the food industry in uh, uh safety and sanitation be like she would never be able to have her hair like that in the kitchen they're not wearing gloves they're what are they doing (laughs) that food has been out there way too long they're gonna kill everyone in that restaurant
1: (laughs) to be fair i think the only time i had that moment is there is an episode oh i think it's criminal minds i can't remember but we're like the killer but he's like a comic artist right Mm -hmm. and my favorite part was because he's supposed to be like a big time comic artist but he pulls up he's in this limo with his agent and he comes to the signing comic artist it's like yes he comes to the signing and there's like like people lined up around the block and they're so mad because he's there. And there's all this like paparazzi and he pulls out his limo and I'm like, somebody didn't do a lot of research. Yeah. <laughs> that, was <funny. laughs> so that was the one time that I had that smug. Like, that's not how that works.
2: <laughs> the only time I've ever seen something <clears throat> kind of like that from personal experience was uh Frank Miller had like a, a handler when he would come into the store. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really about it. And he was he introduced himself as like frank's bodyguard kind of dude did he come in a limo though? no frank walked <laughs> frank like walk. so there you
1: go the true comic story <laughs> frank walked with his body also it's new york
2: it's, it's it's manhattan like you you walk everywhere at this thing or you take the subway um yeah that's that's the closest <laughs> i ever came to something anywhere remotely
0: like that I think the only two artists I can think of who could pull that off, and and I'm sure somebody else will correct me, and they and they well should, but like Frank Miller and like Jim Steranko.
3: Didn't Neil Adams ha- travel with somebody? Didn't
0: he have like a whole entourage at his big old booths? I remember his giant like you know kind of mall sized table, but I don't remember <laughs> him. I don't I don't remember like how deep he rolled. <laughs> okay, I could have sworn He had <laughs> he, he had
2: his- a team. He had a team because I I was I would see Neil a bunch of conventions. And my boss at the time was old friends with Neil. And so we would always go over and say hi. And Neil, Neil had a team of people. He had helpers. Um, he had a booth crew that was, was there to set up everything mm-hmm. and sell the books, break it all down. Um, and Neil was getting on in his health at that point. So it wasn't mm-hmm. really something that he did. Um, you know, personally himself, he always also had like his family members there. His son Josh would be there, or his daughter. Or his wife was always around at, at a lot of shows. So he he had a team basically. Mm-hmm. He had a booth crew um, dedicated to that. But a lot of the, the bigger talent will will do that. I was gonna say, I don't
1: show. I don't think having like booth assistants or booth crews is that. Yeah. Abnormal, but <laughs> it's still. I'll have to find this episode <laughs> you guys because it was like it was like if Stephen King was doing a book signing, yeah, yeah. but they were like, "Yeah, this comic artist <laughs>
3: and the artist, not the writer, right you." <laughs> I worked at a theater where Stephen King made an appearance, mm-hmm. and he didn't. He just you know showed up in his car. It was I mean it was just it was one night. It was just a, a reading at in Princeton, mm-hmm. and it was just like he didn't you know show up with any real crew. He just kind of showed up and or flew out and we picked him up and we drove Mm -hmm. and then we drove him back. He was very, very low key.
1: My apologies to Mr. King. No,
3: no. I mean, (laughs) I could see him as a perfect example of someone who could justify that. Yeah. But he himself was real low key. It's it's rare. So many of the authors who would come and do readings were generally pretty low key. Like David Sedaris would come and he'd just, you know, come and then he'd walk up into town and get a coffee and then walk back. It was like, okay. Yeah. There you go. the actors don't get me started on that no no no, no, no. <laughs> the actors are generally wonderful people i, I worked for an off Broadway theater Twitter.
2: for a few years <laughs> and i i worked with many an actor so i've seen the real gamut there uh, it was only off-broadway some of these people did not deserve to have that ego for off-broadway um the one i will say wonderful story vincent d'onofrio though Uh, super lovable guy, absolute gentleman, knew everybody's name, knew what everybody did in the company. And then I actually sold him a ton of Daredevil books when he was doing research on Kingpin um, at at Forbidden Planet. He came in and he also got his son a Nightwing trade paperback uh, because his son was getting really into Nightwing. And he still remembered me uh, years later when he came back into the store, which was amazing. Nice. I also paid him a few times at the theater. They tend to remember the people who hand them the checks at the the end of the theater. (laughs) There is that.
3: Or or get them a drink when they're being mobbed at some sort of after party. Mm -hmm. I had to do that a couple of times just because it was like, okay, somebody's got to throw elbows through this mob of middle-aged housewives who surrounded Jimmy Smiths. Matt, (laughs) you go and do it. It's like, why me? Because we told you to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smith would you like me?
0: wait wine please <laughs> very nice <laughs> so uh, bring, bringing it back here uh, what made you pick Boston as a setting and you know when you're writing these characters not that you're looking to go you know full Claremont accent or anything like that but you know do you hear the sort of regional accent in, in your head as you're writing or, or drawing them
2: um, Boston, I, I really love Boston because Boston is a working class city. Um, Boston has like work ethic is is absolutely ingrained into the DNA of Boston. And so I thought it was really a fitting place for a doctor like Rose who grinds and grinds and grinds every day and has this and and works herself to death, um, basically, in a lot of ways. And I thought that was really, really fitting. The other thing, too, I thought about Boston is we have a subplot going through the entire series about this anti-powered movement um, and a very real uh, city ordinance that they're trying to pass that would actually restrict um, powered citizens of having things like a driver's license, limit their employment opportunities, and limit their public uh, health care access. And I thought Boston has a very rich and colorful and storied political history I thought also lent itself very, very well uh, to to that sort of plight.
0: As a New Yorker, how do you feel about having created Red Sox fans?
2: Uh, I'm a (laughs) Phillies fan, so I don't really care. Um, Okay, okay. Because as a Phillies fan, I don't care about anybody else. Um, (laughs) How did you wind up
3: a Phillies fan?
2: (laughs) Well, I grew up in Philly. Oh, so that will do it. Bro. I went to opening day at Veterans Stadium for about 15 years of my life um, before they tore it down along with the jail cell that they mm. had in the stadium and an on-call judge who's there every game um, for, for people to go to jail. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I, I came in with it. As, so so I don't care about the Red Sox. I don't <laughs> care about New York. Yankees beat me in – oh, oh nine. I could care less <laughs> about the Yankees. My Nobody gosh, at Matthew on Twitter Netflix. either. <laughs>
1: oh,
2: sorry. Yeah.
3: As what happened? So- as someone who grew up 25 minutes outside of New York and now lives within sight of the Betsy Ross Bridge, I think we have reverse experiences here, my friend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I hope you turn into an Eagles fan because we're winning the season. So
0: oh, no. uh, yeah, fun, Eagles are fun. 4-0 inexplicably and Phillies are so so close to making the postseason.
2: It's gonna be a good
0: year. It's gonna be
2: a good year if you if you love cheesesteaks. Just saying.
0: So. Cheesesteaks are good. Cheesesteaks are They're
2: very good. <laughs> we we don't call them a Philly cheesesteak. We just call them a cheesesteak. Just just
0: to make sure. Makes sense.
1: That's like the Denver omelet. Right. Every time I left Colorado, I'd see a Denver omelet on a menu and I'd be like, what is that? <laughs>
2: it's just an omelet. It's the right way it's to make like an. Mushrooms
1: omelette. and peppers in it. It's not even like, <laughs> but yeah, funny how those things work.
3: Superheroes, outside of the big two, are always a dicey proposition. Isn't the right word, but there's there's baggage because everyone everyone thinks they know what a superhero story is because they've seen this movie or read years of. Batman or X-Men or whatever. What do you feel like if anything you're bringing that's different to the superhero as a concept or the super universe as a concept?
1: Well, I'd say that that's kind of a almost a trick question, right? Because our story is actually it's not a superhero story. Um it's just a story that has superheroes in it. Um but they're um we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with that one. you know like they're not, their focus is on how they affect Rose and her life and this sort of bigger thing that she's caught up in. Um, But in our story, and obviously Matthew, jump in here if I'm saying anything wrong, but, um, you know, they're not they're not that bigger story is not actually our focus and that was nice because it actually kind of lifts that because you're right about that that kind of baggage and that burden that like oh it's got to be new or different or 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 classically the same um and i feel like in our story we actually don't really have to worry about that because you don't look at it that long
2: there's so little pressure the the beauty of it is what's new is we're making a medical drama that incorporates superheroes that's really never been done on a consistent basis like what we're doing with crashing. So so if you want new and innovative, I, I would argue that's where we're, we're adding to the genre. But what's great is that because superheroes and their archetypes and those stories are part of the lexicon of comics and now storytelling in the mass media, it's a tremendous asset because you have a lot of shorthand that you can rely on. So we actually don't have to give Rex Glassman and Gordian and Piper a ton of space in Rose's story for you to understand exactly who these people are, what their archetype is, what their powers are, what their end games are because the reader is so knowledgeable already with that stuff. So it's a huge asset to us to have a world of superheroes. Um, And then we can say, it's great that they're there. They're a crucial part of the tapestry that we're Mm -hmm. building, but it's Rose's story and it's really, about a, a, a woman who's addicted to saving everyone else's life except her own. Um, and that's really what it becomes, uh, the drive-through. So again, I I, I was happy that we, we had something like this because you have so much that you can build off of already. So much work has already been done for us that we can then utilize to tell our story.
0: So uh, kind of looking at other stuff, Morgan, you've got a story in uh, Dead Man Tells the Spooky Tales, a uh, DC spooky season anthology uh, mm-hmm. that came out last week as we're recording with, uh, you know, Franco and a bunch of other fine folks. Uh, you know, did you, how, how did that gig come about where you kind of presented like, here's some stories we're looking to do. Do you want, you know, do you want to draw this one or, or, you know, pitching your own or, or, you know?
1: Um, no, that, um, that one was brought to me. It was funny actually, cause I did that story. Um, I drew that in, January of last year, I think. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was like a hot minute ago. (laughs) Um, And I think just because, you know, anthologies are hard. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of different people's deadlines and ends up waiting for certain things. Um, And so, no, I I was just um, reached out to you by DC, you know, and kind of saying like, hey, you know, um, I had just uh, recently finished um, the... um, the DCYA books uh, Swamp Thing Twin Branches and then I I think just before that I had also done um, an eight pager for Wonder Woman Black and Gold um. so I think I was like starting to be on DC's radar and then especially again in like the the young adult and um kids lines where I feel like they sometimes have a little bit more room stylistically uh, because you know <laughs> you've seen my art I'm not a house style so. <laughs> um, but yeah then they just reached out you know Franklin was great to work with and it was just like oh no we have the story we think you'd be a, a good match for it um and that was just sort of how it came about and it was it was super fun it was really cute um an easy great script to work from uh but yeah but then I turned it in you know and that was when DC was kind of you were hearing all the things about layoffs and shelving things and a bunch of stuff and so because I didn't hear about it for a while I, I kind of thought maybe it was dead in the water which you know happens but it would have been a bummer um and then yeah it was like I think like three weeks before the book came out, I just got like this little stack of comp copies in the mail and I was like, Oh, (laughs) here it is. (laughs) Um, So it's nice. And all the other stories that are really great too. It was a really, you know, I grew up on goosebumps um, and even tales from the crypt and that kind of stuff. So it's really fun to kind of see like the new version of that a little bit. Uh,
3: So, and we are of course at the beginning of October and we're entering leaf season. Uh, has without giving too much away, has doing that story made you look askance at all those lovely leaf piles?
1: <laughs> a little bit, but I also, I mean, I I love horror, huge horror fan, um, and I I particularly love that kind of like creepy slow build, you know, like somebody watching you from the trees, feeling um, supernatural stuff, and so it is always fun with like things like that to play with, like kind of like a daydream, you're right, where you, um, you know, you look at everyday objects. and things and you think about how maybe they could be a little menacing um and I feel like I did get a lot of that like plant horror seems to be my jam uh when I worked on the Swamp Thing book you know same thing Swamp Thing has some horror elements to it but I think it's mostly kind of a a drama and a a self-realization story but it was fun to play with the art you know like where you're where you're putting your camera and how you can make certain things that maybe aren't menacing yet kind of look menacing Um, and I was I love playing with that kind of stuff so yeah, not jumping in any piles of leaps this year. You never know.
0: <laughs> and now that you've gotten to do uh, a few things for DC over the years, you know, that we just mentioned, you know, is there is there a, a favorite DC character that you've gotten to draw? And is there one that you're you're still looking looking to draw?
1: I mean, I feel really fortunate to have been able to draw and especially kind of my own spin on on two big faves of mine which is Swamp Thing and Wonder Woman you know the Swamp Thing book was so fun because since it was this kind of new separate adventure completely divorced from continuity one of the things that my editors at the time said was they're like when you design Swamp Thing for his big reveal they're like we do not want him to look anything like the Swamp Thing in the mainstream universe we have, like no similarities at all which is actually great right because that's like the like Alan more Swamp Thing is genius and no one's ever gonna follow that. And so, you know, it gotta build some pressure. So it was actually nice. It was a nice kind of pressure move to be like, no, completely your own. Um, you know, and I wanted him to kind of look like a plant Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> um and so so that was that was really great and I really enjoyed being able to have my own take on that. Um and then the other one was Wonder Woman, which also same thing since our, our you know, for the black and the, the anthologies, the black and gold anthology and like the red and blue anthologies kind of tend to be <sighs> RC is not the word, but like, you know, they're, they're not, they're divorced from continuity. They're stories that are sort of strange, maybe a little more indie or, or kind of whatever you want. Um, so it was fun in our story that we got to do it almost a little bit more like, like a Greek myth. So, you know, I was able to give her some like cool like shoulder armor and a cape and uh, she definitely had anime hair, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. And so it's really fun. Right, because it kind of is like mythology. It is kind of like Greek myths or different things. You you get to take this character, you've heard these stories about your whole life that you've grown up with, um, and then you get to do your own kind of fun spin on it. So um, I always really enjoyed that. And then surprisingly, for being in the anthology, the other character I said that I'd always want to work on, but I'd love to do like a legit, like creepy book, um, is Dead Man. I love Mm. Dead Man. (laughs) I would love to work on a Dead Man book.
2: (laughs) Uh, if you would pitch me as the writer for that as well, Morgan, I'm <laughs> all about it. So
1: we'll work on it, Matt. We'll work on it. it.
0: I'm a
2: big Dead Man fan as well. Uh, would would go nuts
1: for that.
0: <laughs> now, uh, Morgan, what art? What artists are your? Uh, who are, who are your uh, artists that you jam on uh, personally?
1: Oh, I always get this question. It's so hard because there. Are so many <laughs> um storytelling wise uh Rosemary Vio Rosemary Valero O'Connell is like a huge influence of mine I just think the things that she does with visual storytelling are incredible and I cannot say that often enough um I think she's one of the best storytellers working right now um there's a lot of really really big ones stylistically Influences influenced well me Eric Canetti has always been a huge influence of mine uh Felipe Andrade uh I'm obsessed with his stuff uh I think he's also a genius <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um there's a bunch you know like uh daisuke yurashi is um a a japanese comic artist he did children of the sea um another book called witches and i also think like the stuff he does with mark making and mood is is, is really awesome mm-hmm. um uh again horror like junji ito is another big one where it's just like that kind of creepy i love like the, the inking mark making he does and also his shot calls to like really just build that like creep dread feeling um God, there's so many more,
3: <laughs>
1: uh, but those are some of the ones that come to my mind right currently.
0: Now, uh, Matthew, I know you said you were going to be at uh, New York Comic-Con this weekend. What's on your, uh, what's on your agenda there?
2: Um, well, I've got, a, I've got a signing at the uh, IDW booth at 1 p.m. on Thursday, um, October 6th, mm-hmm. uh, apparently doing some media um, after that. Um, for Penguin Random House, I have some meetings that I have to go to uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, with stores who are exhibiting there, which is always fun to do. And then um, past then, uh, I'll just be walking the floor, um, saying hi to a lot of people I've not seen in at least three years, which will be uh, very, very cool. I will try not to spend too much money in Artist Alley, which is <laughs> always uh, a losing battle for me, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's really going to be it. nothing, nothing too nuts. Um, I may also have a a new pitch in with a certain editor um, that they're gonna ignore until after New York Comic-Con
0: <laughs> uh, by the time it all happens. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, fingers crossed for that. Uh, penultimate question. What are either of you reading right now?
1: Um, What am I reading right now? I just finished uh, Slumber, that series I told you about. I uh-huh. also just finished uh, The Forgotten Blade from TKO. I don't know if you guys have read that one, but it was yep. so good. <laughs> um, really loved that one. I am also reading. Okay, I gotta pull out my Comicsology app now. <laughs> um, I just picked up. Um, I just started reading um, Hard Eyes, which
0: oh, is mm-hmm.
1: has been fabulous. I just finished issue one, but I'm I'm really hooked. Um, and same with Do a Power Bomb, um, Danny Warren Johnson's mm-hmm. new book, which is. So I mean, his art's incredible, and the story is proving to be super fun. the The hook at the end of the first chapter de- or first issue definitely blew me away. I didn't think that's yeah. where we were going with the story. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> right
2: um, likewise, do a power uh, I am a massive pro wrestling mark, um, and so uh, do a power is right up my alley. Um, and actually, at the same time as crashing, I was working on a pro wrestling comic pitch um, as well that has not yet seen the light of day. But um, do a power bomb. I picked up Old Dog from Declan Shelby. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about what's the furthest place from here. Uh, time Before Time, great time. I'm a sucker for a good time travel mystery book. Um, it's like Looper meets Goodfellas. It's really fantastic. Highest recommendations there. Um, Slumber, uh, to echo uh, Morgan. Uh, Christian Ward's uh, Bloodstained Teeth is fabulous. If you like vampires and horror in general, highly uh, suggest picking that up. Um, on the DC side, uh, Batman, Human Target, Detective Comics, mm-hmm. uh, Aquaman, Andromeda, um, reading some of that stuff as well. And then anytime there's a new Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, OGN, I am the first one in line. Like Forbidden Planet knows I'm coming for it. So uh, without a doubt. Oh man, you- Brubaker is one of my, my biggest influences. Yeah. So
1: You mentioned uh, Human Target, the art in that book. Blows my mind. Oh, <laughs> it small, is great so, is
0: killing it. It's so good. So
1: beautiful. It's so good. <laughs> and,
0: and
2: the covers are some of the best I've seen in so years. good. Just inc- yeah. incredible.
0: Gorgeous. Gorgeous oh,
1: another book I'm reading. Have you guys read Firepower?
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, um. That was yeah, yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I love uh um, I mean, Chris Hemsworth is awesome, but just like man, just like a good, solid kung fu story. I am here for it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? What have you guys been reading?
0: Oh boy. Okay. I've got, I've got this prepped. So, uh, reading the X books, uh, I'm doing, uh, human target. Love. That's, that's kind of my favorite book right now. Also, so uh, Superman, the space age from, uh, Mike Mark, Rus- uh, Mark Russell and Mike Allred. That what a team. What a team. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. It's good. Uh, what else am I reading right now? I'm reading, uh, an image I'm doing, well, they're both on hiatus right now, but saga and farmhand,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Oh, and shirtless bear fighter, uh, because that book I is love just ri- shirtless
1: bear fighter. Oh,
0: it's so ridiculous. It's I love so it. So
1: ridiculous.
0: I love stupid. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, and that book is just puns and a guy who looks like Christopher Maloney. Uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> all you need. Oh, I'm Trying to think. That's that's the, that's the main stuff. I think that's the main stuff for me right now. Matt, yeah, I bought your time.
3: Uh, I mean, you you hit the bat titles. Uh cannot wait. For this week's uh, the new Rosenberg Joker series, following up on the Tinian one, uh, which was a fave. Uh, I mean, I read, I, I, I love that you call that Bloodstained Teeth, which I think is phenomenal. And just a little burn uh, the newburn in that Texas blood, Jacob Phillips, mm. who's been doing incredible work with uh. Chip Zdarsky and Chris Condon on those books. Uh, uh, Brother of All Men, Zach Thompson's new book out of uh, Aftershock, a uh, weird folk noir, which is fascinating. I'm, uh, scanning my far too long list. In uh, quest aside, the fantasy It's Always Sunny meets Lord of the Rings book out of vault, which is oh, great.
0: Well, uh, Matthew and Morgan, this has been a fantastic hour. Final question before we release you back into the world How can people follow you online and keep up with crashing and everything else that you have going on?
1: Um, for sure. Well, crashing, you can get from any of your local comic shops. Um, issue one is out, issue two will be out next month. Um, it definitely, the drama just continues to ramp up. so
2: Issue, keep issue picking one up is those probably copies. the happiest, calmest um, issue of the entire uh, series, I would argue. Things
1: get rough. <laughs> it get rougher but in a it, really it's fun
2: way in a really <laughs> yeah. like page turning kind of way
1: um people can find me online uh it's just my full name morgan beam b-e-m uh on instagram or twitter or wherever else um matthew
2: um yeah you can find me on twitter at matthew klein 316 uh where i will post uh ridiculous uh food um pictures from trips and restaurants that my uh much better half goes to um also you can find me on instagram at mac the uh because i was an idiot and didn't make my handles consistent across <laughs> all my social medias <laughs> back in the day so i never thought it would be able to my career so there you go um and yeah uh crashing issue three is actually on foc next week the 10th um please 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 pre-order this book at your shop. If you wanna see more of this title and support it, uh, letting your local comic shop know that they it. pre-orders are still the number one factor for supporting a uh, series, especially a new series uh, with an up and coming team, like I would argue we are. So there you go.
0: Hey, Hey, real quick, is the 316 your birthday or Stone Cold Steve Austin reference?
2: Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, because he is the
0: bottom line. And that's,
2: that's it. No, 11 to 16, that's my birthday. <laughs> okay. Well, that works
0: out good. All right. Morgan, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks that's for having us. It's been great. Thank you. Please. Would love to come back. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, the Battle of the Atom. And Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQA on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQA at Patreon.com, slash where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shout outs on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Kat Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from Comics XF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the loyalist content consumer. You can follow wmq a on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt lazowitz at les 1013 and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, Pete Wisdom was actually the first character to ever say, to me, my X-Men. W-N-Q-A.